I'm Fathery. This is Brian. This is Starfleet Boy. And this is Dave. <laughs> and this is Text Trek. Engage. Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 125th installment of the Text Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we talk all about Star Trek all the time. And tonight we are here to talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 7, Unification 3, written by Kirsten Beyer and directed by John Dudkowski, who I believe is a, a newcomer to the star trek franchise this is his oh, directorial debut for for star trek should you get carl weathers to direct an episode yes um <laughs> maybe i don't know uh we he's, um, all right. he's done all right on the other star franchise so far <laughs> these are very different shows though. <laughs> well yeah this was a very interestingly titled episode because it's like a direct sequel even though it's it's not but I guess it kind of is, to Unification 1 and Unification 2, the two-part story arc from Next Generation Season 5, or also known as the TNG episodes that have Spock in them. Yeah, it's kind of like a like an epilogue or a, uh, you know, a uh, uh, in those old 80s mo- uh, movies, comedies, uh, where they'd freeze frame at the end and tell you what happened to all the characters. <laughs> that was the 80s freeze frame uh, it's not even that uh, because it's like this is what happens a thousand years ago after all these people are dead (laughs) Uh, but yeah that's uh that's what it is that's what our story is about i am just going to uh summarize things real quick by um saying the official synopsis from memory alpha and then i'll kind of expand upon that with spoilers to give us a recap of this episode but the official synopsis reads while grappling with the fallout of her recent actions and what her future might hold Burnham agrees to represent the federation in an intense debate about the release of politically sensitive but highly valuable burn data it's kind of a boring synopsis (laughs) you know what's what's the one uh, measure of a man if you, were to, if you were to describe measure of a man it would be like i guess you would you could dramatically say data you know data's right to exist hangs on the balance of a courtroom decision 
Yeah, what? you could say, but you could also put it boringly too if you wanted. Yeah, it, it's like the the remember the old next generation uh, next time things on uh, that yeah, they would yeah. have where they were all had this overly done guy talking about uh, narrating what it was going to be about. Next time on an all new Star Trek. The next <laughs> generation. That music. Chakotay's on the run from the Romulans. <laughs> that never happened. Just to expand upon that with spoilers, uh, Burnham finds out her brother Spock lived on uh, after she traveled into the future to set Romulus and Vulcan on a path to reunite. And after many centuries, the Romulans finally moved back in at home on planet Vulcan. And together with the Vulcans, they renamed the planet Navarre. And they now, in this, this far-flung future, distrust the Federation for actually pretty understandable reasons. But Burnham has to prove to them that it's a good idea for them to turn over the data they have that can shed more light on the mystery of the burn and help Burnham eventually uh, solve the the burning question of, of what exactly happened to destroy all the dilithium. This episode is the mystery of the burn and the mystery of the Burnham. <laughs> yeah, that... On an all-new uh, episode that, of Star that, Trek. That pun hasn't gotten stale in the last uh, couple of months at all. Burn, baby, listen, burn. Next time worked in this one. Star Trek, the next generation. Do we, uh, we should each give our opening statement and just kind of express our broad uh, feelings and reaction to this episode. Uh, Brian, I, I know you as, our, as kind of our Vulcanoid expert, our Vulcan slash Romulan historian... Uh, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, so I'll, I'll let you kick things off, and then we'll just go around and each share our statement. But what was what was your general reaction to this one? Um, I mean, I yes, for because my Star Trek game role playing game is all tied into Romulan and Vulcan history and stuff. I was paying very close attention and very excited about this episode just based on the title alone. Um, I guess it. it I, I really like it's a it's a a kind of an a meditation on who do we trust with power? Uh, do we trust Tilly to be first officer? Do we trust Michael to be envoy? Do we tr do the do the Navarians or the Vulcanoids trust the Federation um, with this powerful secret? These powerful secrets um and and uh do 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 we trust our mom not to throw us under the bus in front of the court no, uh, no, you know there was there's this constant <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she brings up some really bad stories about when she was a little girl so, um but yeah and so I, I i thought that was wonderful that they've they've it was all very unified thematically once you stopped and thought about it a little bit and i liked that a lot I thought it was terribly well written. I mean, maybe it was a little of that Babylon 5 pretentious uh, writerly dialogue that Dave so hates, but I, I really <laughs> liked some of the little statements and comments and, and even the comment about how uh, uh, the, 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 the little homilies and stuff are not always the end all and be all of existence was in fact a bit of a homily in of itself um and i i enjoyed that and they were actually pretty thought-provoking little comments on 
the world of Star Trek and how we see Star Trek and and how we see these these iconic foundational elements of Star Trek and how do we reinterpret them. Uh, so I really liked how it was written. I I liked the idea. The other big theme: facts have context. And facts are not just facts. Facts have context, and you need to take that context into account when you're using and manipulate when you're you're when you're using facts uh, and distributing facts or collecting facts. You need to take the context into account. Um, so all of that was really good, and I did like what little bits of Romulan and Vulcan uh, culture and everything that we got. I was kind of disappointed we didn't get to, to go beam down to the planet and just see <laughs> a, a better glimpse of what this unified society looks like. I mean, I mean, I get they, they couldn't show us a whole city, but, you know, they could have shown us some sort of, you know, bit of a scene on a street or something that would kind every of symbolic. Uh, every episode in the, uh, of the last several episodes has had some cool planet side uh, locale. That's why this that, one uh, didn't, because yeah. budgets. No, I, I can totally understand that it that that you've got to do the the all on the starship episode sooner or later. I just would not have picked Vulcan or Navarre as the planet to do that with. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I, if they if we'd gotten down to the planet, this might probably would have been my favorite episode of the of the series so far. But because we didn't get to go down to the planet, I'm still going for that trail. It's just episode. like a little uh, Brian has in your ideal version. There's a little five minute epilogue where they just go shopping on Navarre. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or or something like some, that. Some of yeah. those those Saru and President Tarina scenes, they could have been walking around on the streets or. something something yeah i mean they yeah they could have knocked together a little vulcan temple to have the 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 quorum meet in and had us had a couple scenes out in the hallways and and you know you could have you could have had vulcan kids and romulan kids playing over and how what would that look like that could be amazing you know remember Uh, when spock was taunted (laughs) mercilessly yeah well i i know that's why we could have some alternate version of that yeah some new new happier version of that that could have been a, yeah. right there that would have been like this this thing that kind well, of brings home yeah. this new world yeah, having, uh, kids having, having dropped off uh burnham's mom there with the explicit you know where to find me uh does lead me to believe we we will first uh, I, maybe not this season but maybe this season we will see it i think it's crossed okay uh starfleet boy give us your opening statement i guess i guess i i was super into what you were saying what you guys were talking about and that's one of the things that really excited me about this episode all i want to say about it is that for me it's a really nice ending to the spock box set (laughs) oh yeah 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 i I like it in in that sense like it, it does a great job of just wrapping up the spock story the epilogue i think dave you said that earlier yeah uh, you know, I know it's called Unification Three, but it is the it's the last disc in the box set for Spock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're definitely looking at it. This is the the Black Friday episode. You're looking at it from a mercantile. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's, but we, we still have all those strange new world you're episodes. Welcome, we, we still have all those those Spock episodes of Strange New World. Yeah, but have but this a... would always be the episode you put at the end of the box set. Yeah, even if they so. even if they do a bunch of Ethan Peck stuff, uh, they're, 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 this would still be the last episode you would put watch until we get to Unification Four. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Fair enough. <laughs> Do you really think that'll happen? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Who knows? Well, we never thought we'd get to Unification 3. <laughs> That's true. That's and a good point. <laughs> this is also why I think the first episode being called That Hope Is You, Part 1, but there is no Part 2. The fact that there's a Unification 3 in the same season makes me think that, well, yeah, at some point in the future, there's going to be a That Hope Is You, Part 2. Right. Interesting. Maybe, maybe maybe that'll help fill in like that gap year of, of Book and Burnham doing stuff. They'll do like a flashback episode Ooh. or something. But uh, if that's all you got, Starfleet Boy Dave, uh, give us your opening statement, please. Yeah, uh, I like this episode uh, for the most part. Uh, did find uh, I don't think that, uh, that Brian, you alluded to sort of the writerly dialogue, and it was less less that that bothered me than some of the uh, familiar discoveries, somewhat familiar very heart on its sleeve emotionalism that's been prominent for much of the season was a little he- little heavy on me this one uh you know stuff with uh Tilly and Burnham or uh Burnham and Book uh there was a, or Burnham and her mom it was just it's, a, it's just a lot of emotion and I can't cram that much into the holiday <laughs> season uh, I will say this was the first episode out of all of Discovery where on first viewing, I started to feel, okay, maybe now I understand why some people are tired of this being the Michael Burnham show. I kind of felt like at some point near the end, they felt like they crossed the line with a little too much Michael. But then on rewatching it, I decided I was fine with it. But I, I will admit that I at least got a glimpse of that other world of all the people who don't, who think that she takes up too much of the show. After Only it, glimpse of. Yeah. The, the reference to the Romulan first episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, uh, you know, last week I was uh, digging that the fact that they moved so many subplots forward here, they essentially at least resolved in the short term uh, Burnham's arc, which I liked too. And I, and I wasn't sure where they were going there. And they resolved Tilly's uh, instability or rather the, uh, the, 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 that first uh, empty first officer spot too. And I was pleased that they moved along so quickly on that front. Um, I think what I liked most about the episode, though, was the way it reminded me of my kind of my favorite part about Star Trek much of the time is uh, a good standalone episode. And uh, I thought that it had some nice high concept stuff in it. The uh, the co-op Malat from uh, Picard, I had liked in Picard, but I felt like it wasn't until this episode that I really sort of saw in a way the value of their philosophy to its fullest degree the idea of, uh, and this is the part that felt like a standalone Trek episode, a classic one in the sense of uh, of putting an idea forth and making me really think about it somewhat. Uh, the idea that, like you were saying, Brian, that uh, uh, truth has to come with context, and uh, uh, that means uh, you like in such a way that like people humans don't normally think this way, uh, where you are. Uh, <laughs> Uh, revealing uh, any ways that uh, doubts you might have, ways you might be emotionally compromised or politically compromised. Uh, and I thought that was a fascinating way to think about it. Uh, Father, I remember when um, uh, in the first episode, or uh, was it the, the, that, the previous one, talking about the guy who they can smell lies or something like that? Who was it who did that? Was it the hologram, the doctor? No, oh, that was when they, yeah, that was, I guess, two episodes ago. That was Dr. Eli when they, when they yeah, first I remember go to Starfleet HQ. Previous one to that. Uh, and I was like, oh, I think part of the reason, like, I, I, I'm like, oh, I don't know about that, uh, is, uh, is because, yeah, we do always, you know, we, even if we don't lie, we direct people to the truths we want. 
and uh, and I am used to that as a as a functioning human being. Uh, so uh, I was fascinated by an episode that sort of challenged that by showing that philosophy up in fr- front and center. Thought that was a cool idea. Um, and uh, broadly speaking, although it's a bit of a oh, that's definitely presents Discovery as a uh, unusual ship. Uh, Tilly's promotion was was something that I liked as well. So I, I that's a good point. I feel like this episode did, despite not being all that focused on the quip quip. The, it's a, it's my yeah. least favorite name of all the things they've named the, lately. The QM, <laughs> despite not being focused that tightly on the QM, I feel like it did. I feel like I gained as much understanding about the QM. As I did that from that first episode of Picard that actually showed it that this is this was just as valuable as that one episode was at decoding them and figuring out how more, what their more context so to is. Me, the way yeah. that they forced people to, to to deal with unpleasant truths uh, was was definitely notable. Uh, I, and, I and think shout out was to huge. Sonia Son for bringing that to the performance. They were talking about on the ready room how they were kind of like hustling to figure out what the co-op millot were because when they were introduced to Discovery, they hadn't really a, a big idea of it because it was in the other production, right? So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a cool thing, like how it came to fruition. Sonia San did nail it. To me, I think that was a, a, I heard some folks uh, griping about the coincidence, like how how coincidental yeah. I'm about, to, I'm about to gripe about that in my opening <laughs> statement. Spoiler <laughs> nice. alert. I, I, I'm willing to forgive the coincidence just because Sonia San uh, nailed it in terms of performance. It really exhilarated me, and I wanted her to be a co-op. After that, I was like, I don't care what excuse you come up with. Make, you know, it's cool. She's a co-op mullet or koala mullet or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Father, are you, uh, you ready to drop some absolute candor on us? <laughs> Always. Uh, but, yeah, when, when this... Uh, episode's name was released online you know it did get a lot of attention it was obviously tied into next generation and and that two-part unification story and i think some people might have really gotten excited about that (laughs) and i i never i never really got too hyped for it and i i I think that's probably that's probably good but i I was always curious but i was never like super hyped uh some people were thinking this was going to be like a really really big deal and i that might be like why this episode seems to be so divisive uh i know on online i see a, a bunch of polarized reactions people seem to either love it or hate it yeah we, uh, well watching our comments as we do this live uh we're hitting some of the uh some of the not big fans <laughs> but uh, i mean it, to me you know it felt like an episode you, they get to in the middle of the season when they're like okay we've been spending a lot of money shooting on location so we kind of need to do a, a cheaper one and that way we'll have like some budget left do you know some big stuff at the end of the season so that's what it felt like and we got you know what was really kind of a smaller episode for discovery uh there there wasn't really any like big action sequence or any type of like new visual spectacle and i actually found that bit refreshing i liked I that it, it was just kind of a real talky episode and not a lot happens uh but that's okay it was just a, a smaller episode and you know that was all fine by me. Uh, I I think Discovery sh- should probably go a little bit more tame from time to time. It's not its natural speed. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, but I sure. <laughs> uh, and you know, all that being said, uh, because it's Discovery, it does have to lean into the emotional opportunities of any story, and I would say lean into them too much. And 
kind of typical of the show run the risk of feeling forced with with very like forced emotional moments and kind of lingering on things too long and drawing them out too long and so i i didn't like that part but mostly i had a good time with this one uh, i love uh, using the co-op a lot they're one of my favorite new contributions to the star trek of of this uh this new era of of the, the these shows being back uh in production um, and I, I always love seeing Gabriel Burnham. I, I think that, you know, we get very interesting uh, performances there. And I, and I like seeing her and, and Michael get to spend time together here. But I really wish there was a more organic way to bring her back into the show than, oh, I just happen to be a Romulan nun right now at the moment that you needed one. Uh, so that that I thought did kind of suck. But uh, I feel like that and uh, maybe uh, Seven of Nine having a connection on Picard. Uh, even that made more sense. They were going to see. Even that made made uh, yeah. like way more. Yeah, sense Yeah, I guess to we me. we talked about yeah. that at the time, and there, there's did, you you there there's an, there's some truth to that. Did they now? Did they say that uh, Gabriel showed up in the Vulcans or in the uh, uh, whatever the Vulcan star system? No, she showed up on Esau Four. Okay. The planet that she was on in uh, Perpetual Infinity and the Red Angel in season two. Okay. Well, I mean, to some degree, then, given how far out that the planet that they were supposed to go to, that they they, they talked about meeting Terralisium. Yeah. Yeah. They were supposed to meet her at Terralisium, but she instead went back to the future and was on Aesop Four. Yeah. Given how far away that is. Hanging out on Vulcan seems like a pretty obvious place to expect Michael to show up. Um, I mean, you know, that's her home. Uh, so if you, you know, if you're, if you're like, well, I don't know where she's, when and where she's going to show up. I'll just hanging out on Vulcan it makes as much sense as anything for for waiting for you know for trying to reconnect whenever she does make an appearance. There's also the idea that with all the time traveling that. Um, Gabriel Burnham did do she maybe had seen kind of a la Doctor Strange seeing all these possibilities could have seen many different iterations and maybe somehow subconsciously or whatever even consciously ended up on Vulcan just like you said waiting for Michael it'd be nice if they would would throw out a line or two occasionally for that if they were yeah. gonna yeah. do that <laughs> Yeah, I. But then Brian wouldn't have a role playing game. That's stuff that like they didn't put that much thought into. And like, yeah, they, <laughs> they, they could have easily came up with like a, a more organic excuse, I guess, to have her there. But they don't yeah. do that. They're just like, oh yeah, well, I, I teamed up with the the Romulan nuns, and that's why I'm here. Uh, they, I was I was brought here by some colonists on Esau Four, and I've just been mm-hmm. hanging out with them. But you know, now that you need a Romulan nun, here I go. So. It, yeah, that, that was just a, a an irritation to me. It didn't it didn't ruin the whole episode. I still had like a pretty good time with this one, uh, and I actually I liked it better on second watch because it is so it is so talky. There is so much dialogue being shot around back and forth that I, I think on second watch you kind of you kind of pick up on on some of the more nuanced stuff and some of the more details. Yeah, I I actually missed the line about uh, ex- explaining exactly what the relationship is between. Uh, the Nevar and and the Burn and their opinions of all of that. I, I didn't quite catch it the first time, and I did the second. I was like, oh, this episode makes a lot more sense now that I heard that line. <laughs> <laughs> Father, you want to hit us up with uh, some specifics? 
Yeah, we'll just go ahead and break the episode down uh, kind of scene by scene. I'll, I'll go and, and recap a, a little bit about it and then open it up to discussion. But we'll just start, uh, you know, where the episode begins, and that is picking up after last week. Uh, Burnham has been fired by Saru from her first officer position. Uh, she is uh, no longer number one on the ship, uh, but she's able to, I guess... Uh, uh, kind of de-stress from this by having <laughs> sex with Book. Uh, so they are they are chilling on his ship in the shuttle bay, and it is confirmed they are getting it on. So it it is nice to see. I guess Michael kind of uh, happy and have like a you know a good uh, romantic relationship. Is that Netflix and chilling in the future? <laughs> what do you think? I think they're just taking a nap together. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, okay, if that's what you gotta tell, like, the kids in the room, uh, whatever. <laughs> but in addition to that, we also get Michael and Tilly in the science lab, and, and Tilly's kind of upset about Michael running off without telling her in the previous episode, but they are researching some more, uh, of the burn investigation, and it turns out there was a science experiment called SB19 that would have had all kinds of, of recorded data. There, there, there were sensors that should have been scanning this uh, whole vast uh, area of space, like like the whole galaxy, whatever the burn happened. And for whatever reason, that data has never been made publicly available. And they think that might hold the secret to the burn. They've also narrowed down the source of it with the triangulation from the black boxes Burnham has been collecting. And so they kind of have an idea of where the original source of the burn might have come from. Uh, they take this knowledge to Admiral Vance, Saru, and Burnham present it to him. And... He lets them know, okay, SB-19, that was an experiment from Navarre. Yeah, that's right. The Romulans and Vulcans have reunified. They've moved back in. And they were working on this form of faster-than-light travel as an alternative to, to using dilithium, to using warp drive. And that's one of these theories. You know, there's supposed to be all of these theories about what caused the burn. Well, some people think that SB-19 might have done it. And the... Vulcans and Romulans were pissed off that the Federation made them do this experiment. So they left the Federation and they don't want to give over any of that information because they're scared someone else will use it and it would be unsafe and make something else uh, bad happen. But now that he has Spock's sister, he, he sees her as an opportunity to extend an olive branch back to Navarre and possibly wedge their way back into good terms with them. So what do y'all think about these uh, these setups that we get in the, the beginning of, of the episode? I I liked that they they verified it went they ended up going where I was hoping they would go with the whole uh um triangulation thing that it was down at the picosecond level of the difference between one ex one the explosions in one star system and the explosions in another star system because that at that level of specificity you probably would need the black box just a sense a sensor satellite watching the ship explode it it might take you know a second or two for the ship the combustion to actually kick off and blow the whole starship up so that would be way too imprecise to do the sort of calculation that Michael is doing. So then it becomes, you have to have the black boxes and the black boxes were probably all destroyed in almost every case. And it's kind of a miracle that you could find any. Uh, so yeah, it, it makes it more plausible that this is a thing that nobody else might've thought of trying or just been lucky enough to find the boxes. Uh, this scene here, what you just said is wonderful. And I wish that had been in there in, instead of Tilly being mad at Burnham and, and all that stuff, because 
the first couple of times I watched this episode, those things were extremely distracting. And I thought like, it would have been nice to just have that toned down a little bit in this episode. Cause she's just like, I, I thought it was too emotional. And like what I, what you just mm. said, I wish that dialogue had been in that scene to kind of express some of the complexity of, you know, I think you gleaned all that wonderfully and it makes complete sense. And I make that canon but I wish that was in the episode. That's really cool. I, see, I don't know if I wanted that in the episode. <laughs> I don't know if we need all that techno babble. In it. Don't, I do, you, I do. Uh, do you, don't you think that though that Tilly had a right to be angry at um, at Burnham? Yeah, I do I think, think she. So. I do think she had a right to be angry, but like, I just thought that it kind of got jumbled into this one episode where I wanted more of. This is the one episode well, for, for me personally where I wanted. Like, why? Why is she angry though? Like, why? Like, her? Okay, when she went and ran off with Giorgio to go on the secret mission, like, that, how? How does that really impact Tilly? Well, I guess it was because uh, Tilly had to. Uh, yeah, she 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 wouldn't have known like that. Tilly would, I guess, be especially under fire. She's running off all the time these days. Uh, <laughs> uh, but. Um, uh, yeah, but Tilly was, you know, basically she had to choose whether to try and cover Burnham's Burnham's ass with Saru and try and defend her. And but I if she had it, known, if she had been told, would she not be presented with like the same choice? Like, what would have been different well, if people I think had she told did, her? I think we know That's that she thing. probably disagreed with her decision to do it in the first place. She said so it was she the fact that she did it thing. because she she doesn't she's not mad at Michael for doing it. She's mad at her for not telling her. So that, yeah, that she said she wants the choice. She she's tired of Michael. But she got the choice. She she still could have tried to cover for her or something. Well, no, but yeah, but Michael didn't come to her ahead of time, and 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 this is certainly Michael's theme of just not telling anybody. She just goes and does the thing. That's that's right. how Michael she works. Could have like uh, cooked up her cover story or whatever. You can't exactly work on that suddenly when Saru is grilling you. What was were the writers a little imprecise about yeah. it, or about like why she yeah. would suddenly be mad now and not maybe have seen more of that building in the past? Um, maybe, but uh, but I, I get the idea. Basically, Burnham, if she's going to kind of go off half cocked uh, and and you know sort of be this Starfleet rules breaker, somebody besides Saru should express displeasure with that, and she got elected. I was just saying, I guess I guess this episode is where my how like you were saying you could start to see some of the critiques about certain things that people were saying. This is where the emotional uh, tone fatigue came in for me is this episode, and it was centered around like kind of the Tilly uh, storyline of her getting promoted. I thought it should have been a little bit more tidy than it was presented and less emotional perhaps, mm-hmm. and less like you know of all that stuff. I thought yeah. it took away from the emotion of the Spock legacy, which is what I was more interested in yeah. personally. If you want to no prize it, you could say that after Michael gets herself kicked out of the, the second chair, uh, out of the first officer position, Tilly is regretting telling Saru, you've got to go tell the Admiral and making, turning it into a big deal. And maybe she's bl- angry at herself, but she can't admit that. So she, bl- she gets angry at, oh, at uh, Michael mm-hmm. for putting her into that situation. Now they don't actually say that in the episode. I'm just trying to, you know, kind of patch the sure, thing together. Sure, yeah. People, people don't always react. Uh, Emotions don't always tumble out logically. They they sometimes are messy. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't have minded something like that. Uh, because broadly, I do think Saru has been put in the in the position dramatically of being the tut-tut school, schoolmaster. 
And I know that the show also wants us to like him, and he can't be the only one who's ever doing that. And it's not yeah. like Nan was going to be the person to say, oh, don't do that. Yeah. Well, I she didn't on the show anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they left, they left her I was using her as an example scenes. because she was a hard-ass father. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh... I did find myself wanting to say to Tilly, you do realize that she would have ignored orders and run off to save you too, right, Tilly? That that she would have done the same thing for For you that she did for Book. And I I get why Michael doesn't throw that back in her face, but I kind of wish, I I felt like if I was in the room, I absolutely would have pointed that out to the two of them. Here's a quick question. Has has Burnham's, uh, has her... uh her occasional rebellious escapades, have they ever gone completely wrong? Like, have they ever not produced positive results? Uh, the, the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> the battle right. But she actually did not get to do what she meant to do, right? Well, yeah. she meant she meant to... They, they, they focus on the wrong thing. They always focus on, like, her mutiny is starting the war. Mm-hmm. But she beamed over to capture Takuvma and, like, disgrace him and end the war. She ended instead, up accidentally killing him. Instead, she <laughs> killed him. Yeah, and got uh, like the the Klingons got like this this martyr figure out of it. Yeah, so yeah, but I guess like has everything since then generally been a she took a chance and it usually pays off, which is very much a Star Trek tradition. Yeah, uh, there seems to be more complexities involved than say when Kirk does does it. But yes, there For there sure. seems to be a net benefit when you add up the negatives and the positives yeah i i think all, most of her all going off going rogue ends up working out for the best overall let's talk uh, about that uh that op- the beginning with her and book a little bit did anyone else notice that book had his glowy forehead yeah I his magic forehead that, actually, that lets him yeah. heal aliens they, they they put that back in there i think that was oh. just to remind us that there's a there's a thing there that they haven't explained yet <laughs> <laughs> oh, I completely forgot I about, did it, forget about it. Too, and I slash it. didn't notice it. That he can he can like heal animals or make plants grow with his glowy forehead. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he can control trees? Is that why the, the ships wood? Did he grow this ship or grow <laughs> the interior? You no, know, I kind of don't really like the wood finish in technology in general or like like i like really wharf station on the enterprise that, that's wood like it never did anything it. for me but I, I i've grown to kind of like books uh ship yeah. and it's yeah. uh kind of like wood carved uh interior yeah. but uh let's talk about like that that scene with uh admiral vance with uh saru and Burnham presenting the the data to Admiral Vance. I, I I like this character the more and more I see of him, and I love like this one moment here in particular when it dawns on him that he has he has the sister of Spock, this hero to all of the Vulcans and Romulans, and he's like, this is our way to like reopen you know diplomatic uh, ties to Navarre, and, and like he gets like that that smile on his face where he's like, aha, that like Eureka moment. That frame that you've pulled up of him is, is also kind of feels like it could be one of those meme-worthy things. The uh, Somebody, uh, like, not necessarily a light bulb, but a slightly more mercenary, oh, I can use this. Right, right. <laughs> but I like um, it. <laughs> I like it, too. I really like that scene because at the mention of kind of the update, Burnham's reaction to what's going on with Spock, like I just thought, I took a lot of delight in that in that scene. Like uh, when he mentions that Spock was the reason why Navarre exists, 
and she just kind of like is shocked and she hadn't looked him up yet. And I could totally relate to that. If you know someone's already dead, you might want to take your time finding out how they died or what happened, you know, because. Yeah, it'd be weird. Sure. Yeah, it'd be a weird yep. thing. So, like, my, I like that. My favorite that, version like, of that is on uh, <laughs> on uh, uh, Star Trek Enterprise when the Mirror Universe uh, captain and uh, what's her name? Uh, Hoshi. 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 Uh, look themselves up and like uh, she makes fun of his stalwart <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, prime universe counterpart and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, psychologically it makes sense. Uh, most people might have some hesitation there. Yeah. Going into this, I always knew that they were going to have like a big obstacle trying to explain Romulans to the Discovery crew because they're going to be like, "What Romulans? They were the people from that big war from a hundred years earlier, and that no one's ever saw. seen one. Like we don't know yeah, what they yeah. look like." And I thought it was so graceful the way, like, this yeah. elegantly explains all of that in just a couple of lines of dialogue from Admiral Vance, where he just says, history like... History forgot this in yeah. your time. Yeah, yeah. And, and your time, you know, history forgot, but they yeah. and the Vulcans share a common ancestry, and, you know, hundreds of years after your brother tried to bring them together, they finally did. And, like, that's all you need, and that explained all of it. And I was like, yeah. oh, that was, like excellently written by yeah. kirsten Beyer, who they they call her like the keeper of the canon in the, nice. in the writer's room so yeah. she's she definitely has like awareness of of this type of stuff yeah it's certainly the sort of thing you don't want to dwell on too much because right. unlike most things star trek fans already know all this right. so yeah. we don't want to sit watching our heroes get stuff explained to them that the, the fan the audience already knows so, <laughs> um I are the SB nineteen project that that look that's those are like the transwarp conduits that the Borg had or something. It looks like yes. Yeah, it was. It's weird that they haven't talked more about like transwarp or quantum slipstream. Uh, I, I'm assuming that like those technologies got developed, but were also kind of reliant on dilithium. Well, if you if they require lar- if they require large amounts of power, then you're still going to need the dilithium. Yeah, so. well, in Voyager, there is a different crystal used for the slipstream drive, but oh, was there? Okay, uh, they, yeah, they, yeah. they they mentioned that in the first episode of the season. That that, that do y'all think be they're like going to a... get around to this at all, or do you think it's just not of interest to them, and that that's that they, they don't particularly want to delve into that 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 you know like. Alter, you know, alternate means the only thing that's going to be important is that the Vulcans were working on being able to transport yeah. ships. I mean, uh, I was kind of assuming that the ships of this era have slipstream drive. I just figured that's yeah. part of their, they're well, all equipped with it. But. Buck mentioned it about his ship. So okay. yeah, they, they, because this show has brought this stuff up, they, they do need to like try to clarify a little bit of this. And, yeah. and I think it's possible that they will. They, they do mention this type of stuff from time to time. So there is yeah. some, the, the show has some interest in exploring uh, those, those things. But yeah, the, the SB 19, I think, it, I think it's possible. We might get more information on it specifically. It has like a weird name, SB 19. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's hard not to think like COVID nineteen now. Every time you hear like the number nineteen, it's like like decades from now, like everyone alive in twenty twenty is gonna have like a, a PTSD flashback, like Detmer. Whenever we hear like the number nineteen, it is a cursed number. The Vulcans should have known, so the humans should have warned the Vulcans. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Spore breach nineteen, according to Truck on the Two. <laughs> That's that's his headcanon. Yeah. That's not well. Real. Well, it, until they say otherwise, I'm assuming it's some sort of transwarp transwarp net, network with gates and stuff like the Borg had. So yeah, but it was it was interesting. I was thinking, oh, if they think that 
the planet Navarre is the possible source of the burn. Someone should have mentioned that before episode seven of the season. But then I remembered, oh, yeah, there's a, a bunch of different theories about the burn. The, the, right. You know, the Admiral told them that before. He, he's like, yeah, yeah like we, we got more th- theories that we can shake a stick at. So they, they do have their bases covered. Well, he also indicates that he knows that it's not the Vulcan's fault. So he's he wouldn't have presented that theory to begin with because – in his mind, it's it's incorrect information. Yeah, it does sort of sound like the Federation concluded it wasn't SB nineteen, right. but that, uh, or at least saw no reason for it to be. And apparently, the Vol- uh, the Vol- or the, the the Vulcanoids have access to all the notes from building the project that they didn't share with anyone. And those notes apparently show some more, shed some light on things, at least from their point of view, that we that no one else got to see. But since they didn't share it, everyone just you know so. It was. It's not necessarily a popular theory galaxy wide. It mm. might just be a popular theory on Navarre. Uh, we. I guess we have to call them Navarans now, right? Or Nav- Navari? I was thinking. Navari. Well, I'm, I'm going to wait yeah. until it's canonical, but I'll just right. say I mean, Vulcans and Romulans. I mean, uh, Vulcanoids is. They've called Romulans Vulcanoids before. Mm. So. I'm a droid and you're annoyed. <laughs> let's, uh, sorry, let's, sorry. let's move on. Let's move on to the, the mission to Navari. The Admiral says he's he, he's going to send her there. And, you know, it's like the big headline. I think it's kind of weird he uses the term headline. But, uh, you know, Spock's sister returns or, you know, whatever he said. So Michael kind of reflects back on Spock. And this allows them to, like, you know, remind the audience about their connection. But she has some flashbacks to the last time she saw her adopted brother and remembers, you know, growing up with him in, in the house of Sarek and even uh, shows book this, this recording of old man, Leonard Nimoy Spock, really cool to see Nimoy's face on a new episode of Star Trek, even if it is reused footage, but. Yep. And of course now uh, have, having seen him in uh, Star Trek 09 and stuff, that's practically young man. Right. <laughs> <Spock. That's a laughs> <good point. laughs> yeah. Uh, 1991 Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Uh, well, but, yeah. We get to re-explore that, that notion of, of the Romulan-Vulcan reunion being an important thing to Spock. That I guess he dedicates the last uh, couple of decades of his life to uh, seeing that dream realized. And Stamets has his new spore drive interface uh, so that they're able to <laughs> load up the, the spore drive. We finally get to see the, the disc, Disco A do the, the spore jump. The the big question, I think, was what happens to the nacelles, but they the detached nacelles, I guess, reattach to the ship, and when it does its little spin move to, to spore jump, and they go to Navarre, where they are greeted by the president, Tarina, and she's basically like, y'all can't have this SB-19 data, so please stop asking about it, or I'm going to tell you to leave, and... A little, little hostile because they they keep poking at this thing. But Michael is able to use, um, I guess, like the the traditional uh, Vulcan sense of of ceremony against them, and invokes the to call in Ket, which is when you're presenting a scientific hypothesis, and there's this whole Vulcan ceremony where the Vulcan Science Institute has to come and question your hypothesis and they make like this this big deal about like this debate and once you invoke it they they have once you invoke it they have to go through with it and she explains all this to saru and so we're basically going to get a big uh kind of a courtroom scene or like a debate scene and that's kind of what the the episode will will be about 
Was it like a thesis defense? Well, it's kind of like the the idea of science is always about like presenting a a theory, a hypothesis, and then it's like, well, okay, here's here's what I think. Now come at me and come question me. And you know, good science is supposed to like invite being attacked from like every possible angle and see if it holds up or if it doesn't. Yeah, a thesis is is not a bad way to uh, to think of it, though. I think. I guess to me it felt more. I, I I and maybe I just misunderstood things. For me, it felt more like the the quorum was there to gauge it, 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 her. That the 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 ritual was there to to gauge whether or not somebody was was qualified to have access to certain information, and and you have to prove your. Your purity of purpose. Well, that's that's what they said was the big part of it is that it's yeah. almost kind of a, almost kind of like ad hominem type yeah. of like attack of the of the yeah. presenter's character or mm-hmm. like are are they even like worthy or reliable? Should we even pay attention to them? That's yeah. kind of like the the big tradition of it. Yeah, I, I missed. Did they say uh, how, that has the uh, co-op Malat, which was a very small segment of Romulan society? Do we know what what its standing is in the unified society? Uh, they are apparently all the adjudicators for this sort of thing, so clearly they are. Did they say they all of them? It. Okay, that that's what yeah. I wasn't sure on. So I I don't know if they do uh, not adjudicators, big, uh, advocates, advocates. Yeah. I don't know it if they do like advocates for other interactions or not, but they do advocates right. for this. You know what weirded me out, uh, and 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 this is this is maybe just a weird. I'm so used to sci-fi names not calling, you know, rulers of the world presidents. I think we always <laughs> want it to sound less, more exotic in America where the show's made. Oh, uh, um, uh, Doctor Who has been doing Time Lord presidents for a long time. Yeah, yeah but that's, that's because they wanted to sound exotic, so they made, set it up to sa- use <laughs> right, the U.S. Exotic for them. Yeah. So I was weirded out, yeah, that the uh, that, that, that uh, Navarre had a president. I was just like, that doesn't sound right. Can't they be a chancellor? Well, it did seem yeah. weird that you put the Romulans and the Vulcans together and you came out with president. It sounded <laughs> like it should be Praetor or Senator or, um, uh, what am I, uh, you know, something from the Vulcan High Command, Counselor or something. You right, know. Chief Counsel or something High like that. Counselor. It would yeah. make counselor, sense that yeah. it's a president to me because the president of the Federation, when they left the Federation, they were like, we'll just keep the same structure of government and use it within our smaller group here. So now we have a president of yeah. Navarre. And again, it could be a word that just the universal translator says president sure. is the best fit. <laughs> it's, it's low, a low-level complaint. It's just one of those things that somehow to my ears just didn't sound right. No. <laughs> I liked it because they don't have many uh, presidents besides like the president of the Federation in Star Trek. So I thought they, they, should, they should sprinkle yeah. in a few more. But this also was a slight irritation irritation for me in another way just that we've seen the same formula in season three of discovery a lot where they show up to a a planet they're like oh what are these people like in this time period and they're going to be kind of dickish at first but then we're going to do something like to prove ourselves to them and then they're going to be nice at the end it's just like like i already felt it you know as as soon as they spore drive jumped over here i already felt it falling back into that same formula before they did the spore drive they said these people are going to be dickish uh basically they they Mm -hmm. they they they, i'm not saying that it isn't a repetitive plot line but they did at least outright state uh heads up they're going to be a problem you know be on your a have your a bring your a game (laughs) yeah as a plot, it, it's a little bit dodgy, but I think that's kind of like the standard in the 32nd century. Everybody's panicked right now. 
they're on high everyone's kind of got a wall up right so yeah to speak. yeah um i think that also one one thing that i really enjoyed though is that i did get the sense that these are romulan vulcans culturally mixed uh Vulcanoids, you know, like, or, or you know, like, I really did get the sense that there was something new here that we were being being presented with, and there was like a an interesting, like, again, it was for me personally, it was too little in this episode. I think we could have yes. lessened some of the other stuff and gotten more of this kind of stuff, but I loved what we got. Like, what we got was really compelling. I think, yeah, and, and Taruna herself, she does seem like a little less traditional Vulcan. She's like mm-hmm. a little bit more um overtly emotional yeah. just like just a tiny bit by you know uh, human standards but for a vulcan she's you know extremely yeah. like expressive and yeah. and kind but, of a kind yeah. of well, they, they do take the quorum as an opportunity to lay out like the three big cultural uh constructs right, that right. Exist yeah. and on that was planet. awesome too i love that and i did like that that there were three that they didn't just all become <laughs> one culture there's still right. you know things are complicated down there and i like yeah that. it's so it's it's not it's not monocultural like a lot of the planets right. are presented it's it's like a, a tri-culture, a tri- trinary culture, I guess. Yeah, yeah. a good lesson uh, to learn from places like, uh, from stuff like Bajor and on DS9, or uh, eventually like some of the stuff with the Klingons on Next Gen. Yeah, I, I love the Spock, flat, playing the Spock videos, by the way. That that was great. I mean, mm-hmm. it was pure fan bo- fan. You really service. can't go wrong oh, with showing yeah. Letner Nimoy. No, yeah. it's true. I've, I've seen some people question how would that have been recorded, if you know, but if you're paying attention at... at the the events of that episode I, there is a very obvious explanation that i'll i'll go over when we get to the gorn eggs at the end okay. of the show but let's talk about the quorum itself uh, when everyone beams aboard uh <laughs> we get like the three different types of representatives by the way like that new transporter it just beams people in like no, bzz, bzz, bzz. I, I it's think so that, fast i think they were just using their personal transporters i think transporter room is no. just a formality at formality this point <laughs> well let's let's talk about these uh the three judges or the, the the three the three peers that that we meet there is naraj who is a romulan elder and he's seeking like greater i guess self governance as how they describe it but i guess like he wants like the romulan like traditional romulans to have a little bit more uh, independence on navarre and then we meet vakir who is a very traditional vulcan he is actually the young leader of a sect of vulcan purists yeah. and he is like the most uh vulcanish of all the the characters in the episode and then we meet uh shira who speaks for the Romulo Vulcans? So I guess they're like a uh, they're a type of a type of like merged culture. That's like we're a little bit Romulan and a little bit Vulcan. She's a centrist. So uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, the the way that they talk to her later in the episode is kind of like uh, he's her her moderate in the middle politics does get uh, specifically criticized. And then President Tarina is like, oh, there's actually another person coming aboard. The Kawap Malat, the Romulan nuns from Star Trek Picard, they handle all of the advocacy stuff from from now on, on on our planet. And this one has a particular interest in you, Michael Burnham. So who can it be? There's like this big build up to the to the reveal, and the nun removes her veil, and it's like, oh, it's Mama Burnham. So we get to have Michael and Gabriel Burnham reunited, and it was. Uh, you know, a kind of a joy for me to see Michael happy because we've seen her be miserable so much. And so the two of them get to like walk around and catch up a little bit. And, you know, being the co-op Malat, 
that she has. She is devoted to this life of absolute candor and all about, you know, honesty and speaking the truth. And there's like this, this big concern that like, this is going to be like a hard thing for Michael to, to accomplish. And the Kuatmalat only bind themselves to lost causes. So that kind of sets up the, the stakes the, the tables are against her. This is going to be a, uh, a very difficult challenge to face. And uh, so what, what do we think about like, now that we have, we've met the, the the quorum and establish the rules of it i guess one thing i wanted to point out that i didn't catch the first time they show up and basically michael throws away uh or at least seriously threatens any chance for a diplomatic reconnection between the federation and vulcan all over getting this data she decides without apparently consulting saru as far as i can tell to to say the data is more important than getting Vulcan back in the Federation. And if I have to piss these people off to get the data, I will do so. And I thought that's a, that's a very Michael choice, but uh, it fits her personality. But I was like, whoa, we're, we're not screwing around here. We're, we're, it's the solve yeah. the burn. Or I, nothing. I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of that either. That was super evident, though, because Saru was like, I hope you're prepared. He was like, what's the cat? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Whatever. and then what I liked about the president character, I loved her a lot, yeah. was that she's she she she's like, you basically put me in a in a position diplomatically where I can't refuse. But at the same time, she kind of gives her a bone. She throws her a bone when she like holds her hand and says, just tell the truth, most importantly to yourself, because she's like, I see right through you. You're, you're just. Yeah. You know, like I already know the she's she already knows the outcome. In a sense, I don't think she you know? does. No, I she doesn't. Like, like the whole the whole, the whole climax of the yeah. episode is about Tarina changing her mind. Yeah, You're right. Yeah, but so. it's like I think she's hoping for Michael to be Spock's sister, like to represent yeah. that, yeah. and she's disappointed. I guess that's what I meant by that. Like she's hoping yeah. that she's hoping for the outcome to be that yeah. Michael redeems herself because right now she's just yeah. like she even says it. You risk. Being known as a dissembler, Spock's sister will what always be mean, known dissembler? as a dissembler. Like, like what, ruining what, what a society, do they, like they a mean home by record, that? basically. Isn't dissembling <laughs> like just making excuses yeah. or? Liar, yeah, yeah. I thought it was liar, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it is I'm a liar. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So, so the the fear was that Spock's sister, it, like it would it would be devastational to the society that was kind of forged by spock he's i assume there's like statues of spock all over the planet i mean we don't yeah. know because they didn't show it to us but i'd like yeah. to think that the hope that the the vulcans maybe dropped a little bit of that uh uh fetishism fetishism uh, in favor of logic and weren't so big on uh weren't necessarily yeah tied but these, these are the people these are the people who've been riding surak surak's dick for yeah. thousands of years so well I, see i can see the vulcans might not be all that upset if Bert, if spock's sister turns out to be a loser but the romulans might are a completely different kettle of fish as far as how they view the universe for, you know so who knows how many romulans or ramo vulcanoids down there would be really upset to learn that that you know spock's or, or depressed to learn that spock's sister was a loser um pj also the wanted to definition of dissembler and it's like a hypocrite a phony exactly like okay phony you know, pretend, so, yeah, yeah um, it seems like specifically i th- saw a thing that's like it's, it's about concealing one's uh, motives and beliefs and stuff like that. Yeah. There is a sense yeah. of duplicity to it. Yeah. Pretender. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the um from the vol- uh, from the Navarian point of view, um 
this technology, the, 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 the data apparently could be used to extrapolate and perhaps recreate the technology. And apparently the technology is such a threat to the galaxy that they tried to say, no, no, it's too dangerous. We shouldn't be fussing with this. We're going to turn everybody into salamanders. And, <laughs> um, and yes. Starfleet said, or the Federation said, no, keep doing it. Uh, I can um, understand where they're coming salamander from. Salamander Breach and- 19, that's what it really is. That's what it, it's, it's SB-19. I also also thought it was so cool that the Romulans were the ones who wanted to stay in the Federation and the Vulcans were the ones who voted to leave. I thought that was neat. Like, it would have been so... It's the return of the Enterprise era Vulcans. (laughs) A little bit, yeah. But it would have been so easy to make the Romulans be the dicks. For sure. (laughs) And and, and not even, like, the Vulcans aren't even that big of dicks because I can understand. They're like... The Federation is so desperate for dilithium, they might do something irresponsible. So we yeah. need to be extra responsible. And if that means leaving the Federation, so be it. And like, you know, yeah. it kind of makes the whole thing even more tragic because you can you can see where they're coming from. And the idea of like the Federation, you know, being broken down, it, it hurts. It's you know, what, it, it's like, what Burnham it, said like, earlier. It's like the yeah. Vulcans would never leave the Federation. So something bad really had to have happened yeah. for that to happen. You know, yeah. later on in this episode, when Saru is talking to the president and. Uh, He's kind of doing the, hey, the Federation's changed. It's different. Uh, you know, I was thinking that uh, of the value of the uh, Kawat Malat uh, absolute candor because, yeah, I'm like, well, what have you seen? Three weeks of the Federation, uh, yeah. Saru? I don't know if you can really make that judgment. <laughs> no, that was a question I was going to bring up. Does uh, we, we, we can, Saru is qualified to talk about the ethics of the crew of Discovery. Is Saru qualified, to, and Michael for that matter, because she also states the Federation will not betray you, uh, basically. Uh, do, do Are they qualified to make that statement about I mean, the Federation? I think within the show... I think the show wants us to 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 believe that it has shown us enough of the Federation that that yeah. they are telling the truth that you know the Federation isn't at its core duplicitous. The yeah. showrunners don't want it to be duplicitous, so yeah. like it's kind of a slightly meta thing. But yeah, it, like in real life, like I don't think that I would say that they are uh, for the show's purposes. I think they are supposed to be able to judge it. Yeah, and I, yeah. I feel like you know they've been working with them really closely. They've yeah. they've they. Like Saru and that the Disco time, crew, they've, they've like been... three weeks or something, right? Like they were. Yeah, and then we, you know we can assume there's probably been another two weeks in addition to that. But they've yeah. been like eating and breathing Federation HQ, all of that stuff for like the last month and a half or so or whatever. Like they're. But they're, if somebody they're, they're, they're came to America, if somebody came to America for like uh, two months, would they be qualified to judge American values? <laughs> Well, they they probably already knew about American values before they showed up. So yeah, even so, yeah. like if the, if the America of a thousand years in the future, <laughs> yeah, that's a good um, point. If, if George Washington showed up at, today and hung out for a month, <laughs> would he be qualified to to state the values of America? You know, at the by end the way, that's the a I'm, I'm sure sci-fi stories have explored those kind of things, but I do think that a quiet sci-fi story about something like that would be. Uh, would would be instructional to somebody who'd like really research George Washington and uh, could could kind of write him in a realistic way. And I think I just cool. had to, I had to laugh because I just see George Washington going bonkers if he would throw something. He's so angry. <laughs> he'd probably be like, "Hmm, I'll have to think about this for a little bit. Can you have one of the slaves bring me a cup of tea so I can yeah, think?" Yeah. <laughs> oh 
it cut, to, um, cut to him watching TV, Father, oh, and it's one of those it's ones true. where a statue of his is being pulled down now. Like, <laughs> um, so to get back on the episode, my, did you notice how Gabriel? Did you notice how Gabriel is able to completely read Michael to a scary degree yeah. Yeah. with just a few seconds of conversation? And yeah. I kind of ended up feeling like that's not Mother's intuition. That's some weird Quillot Malot Betty Jesuit. Well, she's also she's reading. also been watching her her whole life yeah. from like her yeah. Red Angel suit. She watched this. Yeah, but she hasn't up. watched her for the last year apparently. So, and that's what she's immediately calling her on is she's like you're not sure if you want to stay on this starship or not uh i, I like, like the Whoa. idea of presenting this and subsequent uh uh examples of the co-op Malat as preternaturally uh you know like uh very good preternatural profilers i guess i'd say yeah. able to really just sherlock holmes somebody's motives very quickly uh, you know, beyond, you know, in a way that does really seem like... A Even bit though above Elnor him. got confused about, like, people going yeah, under cover... Elnor's and a kid, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he, was, he was in the co-op a lot, a lot longer than uh, uh, Gabriel Burnham. Yeah, yeah but he's true. he's clearly... He's he's kind of emotionally compromised. He's, Plus, he's a... He's a very... He, he doesn't have the... Uh... They don't teach all the good tricks to the males. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, boy, boys are dumber than women in general, in my observation. <laughs> Wedding the Coat Malat uh, philosophy with maybe Vulcan logic is, is maybe what's really kind of elevated it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, maybe. Well, like let's that. talk about the, the quorum itself. I'm going to run through, like, the whole quorum from Get beginning it. to end. Because it's actually, it's actually not that much that happens in this ceremony. But yeah, the the crew kind of gathers to spectate in their their mess hall, their redressed mess hall. They paint the floor red. They they bring in the three peers. Burnham presents her case to them, and the uh, the Vulcans are very adamant about not wanting to turn over this data. And Michael's mom does throw her under the bus here and kind of explains all these reasons why you shouldn't trust Michael Burnham, and she. Uh, is is actually kind of cynical in her motivation she's not actually like looking out for the federation she she has like this this weird obsession with having to be the the center of attention and she you know she mutinied at the binary stars less than 48 hours ago she was demoted for disobeying a direct order and you know maybe maybe you shouldn't trust her she's always human even though she was raised on this vulcan world she desires to put herself in these important situations to, to fill this emotional void that she has she's she's kind of de de defective emotionally because of that and, and it's, it's really harsh you know watching it you, you kind of feel sorry for michael she's just yeah. getting beat up by her mom and, and well and then, uh, yeah exposed at the innermost level yeah mm -hmm. we, we see her like so vulnerable here and then uh you know she asks her she says that uh, you know why uh why do you question your place in Starfleet? And 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 Michael has to take on some of that absolute candor and and do some inner reflection and really say what what's going on with her. And and she says that she feels like the stakes are higher. She's so scared of doing the wrong thing that might hurt her crew. That uh, she just you know feels like so much more pressure right now. And now that she's kind of like exposed herself, and President Tarina is is watching all this. And now that now that she's kind of been open and honest now her mom says okay now she speaks with truth now you can decide if this is the person that you want to trust with this sensitive data or not the vulcans say okay we appreciate your candor but that's not good enough we still don't want to turn it over 
and the Romulo Vulcans are like, well, maybe we do. And then the Romulans are kind of like, fuck you. If the Vulcans ain't going to give it to her, then the Romulans will. And there, and Michael sees this divide that, that she, she create. I guess like she sees herself becoming the dissembler here. And so right. she says, you know what? I, my brother wouldn't want y'all to fight over this. I'm not going to undo his accomplishment. If, if y'all can't agree, I'm just going to send y'all my data. I'm not going to be the one who, who broke up Navarre. And she rings the gong, ends the ceremony. That was super uh, touching. Yeah, takes back her her claim to the her request for the data, leaves the room, and because it's Star Trek Discovery, it has to be like so ceremonious, and everyone like stands up it. at attention for her when she leaves. <laughs> but it, it. It, it, it does leave an impression on President Tarina. So, what what do y'all think about the the, the quorum and everything that that transpired there? Well- it appears we get, we might be getting. It's hard to tell because this is, of course, a a Vulcan uh, ritual uh, or ceremony that we are seeing here. But we might be getting a glimpse into what the QM Quillot Malot uh, are did for the Romulan Star Empire, which I thought was fascinating. If they are do have some Benny Jesuit ability to read people, they are the only way to get an honest answer out of anyone, and that might be the reason their order is allowed to exist in a world where everyone else is lying and no one li- and 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 the Tal Shiar and the Quellat Malat are enemies. They might you know they, they might have a special skill that allows them. Uh, to be useful as maybe in court and stuff. Um, and that could be what the what they bring to the table. And of course, once they're integrated with Vulcan society, this place of where you're testing the, 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 the purity of intention of people uh, regarding the dissemination of data, this, this ritual, that, that would be a natural fit for a place to have them. So I can see why they might be the advocate. All of the advocates are quell up a lot. Uh, so I, I liked how that kind of synthesized together uh, a lot. Um, that that and I love that they all had Romulan shoulder pads. <laughs> yeah, nice I, I loved all of that stuff, Brian. That's As someone who like yeah. really loves the co-op a lot, uh, like I was saying, they're one of my favorite new contributions to Star Trek of like the last few years. So I I, I love them being so uh, essential to the, the the story here. And, and yeah, the, the idea like that that function that they would play in this vulcan romulan society is is very neat to me to me the 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 callbacks to tos were nice too just having this like ceremony with the gong and the torches and like (laughs) you know like it was very vulcan it was very vulcan in that sense and like you know the 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 formality of it and calling everyone a peer and like you know all that stuff was very like i loved it and it reminded me of like that tos vulcan kind of vibe so i ate that up and and then i just really liked uh that kind of and i was saying this earlier that it just felt like a relief to me that i feel like something clicked in burnham's character and it was well conveyed and i and i hope it's like something that goes on but like i feel like she released something here that was very important for this character to get past because i'd been kind of annoyed with her the whole season and i felt like she has been holding something's just been gnawing at me about her character this season yeah. and i normally love Burnham a lot more than I have this season, and in this episode, it kind of made sense. And, and that, and and as Dom, uh, uh, a friend of mine, said, now when I watch the season again, knowing this outcome will make me less annoyed at those things that I was annoyed at before. Yeah, yeah, that that happens a lot for me as yeah. well. I always knew that this whole uh, "do I belong on the ship" thing was going to come to a head at some point. Right. I didn't know this was going to be the episode or how it was going to be done. I I will admit the first time I saw this, I mentioned, is this a little too much, Michael? Um, 
the question I came away with is, do we learn anything new about Michael? Because pretty much everything she acknowledges is stuff other people have already pointed out to her uh, 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 when talking to her and talking about her. So, and then rewatching it, I said, the thing we that it felt to me I learned, I don't think this has been stated before, is that because she had such a shitty childhood that was constantly spinning out of control with people trying to kill her uh, intentionally or accidentally, um, that she's kind of a control freak, or at least whenever she sees a threat or a danger, she proactively goes after it before it can come after her. And I thought, okay, that may, that, that, that kind of helps justify and explain why she acts the way she does, why she's, so dog with a bone on some of these <laughs> ideas and stuff is because sitting around waiting for other people to solve these problems just gets you in a Vulcan uh, a training camp that's on fire or something like that. You know, the, the you can't right. just trust, uh, you can't wait for, you have to save yourself and, and if, and you, then you save everybody else. Uh, in in the comments, stress free K says, I call Michael Burnham, the Kobe Bryant of discovery <laughs> too legit to quit. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you were talking about you. You were, you were saying that uh, you know that we had heard these kind of criticisms or self examinations from Burnham before, and I think that's true. But I don't know if it was true, like if she really took it uh, internally yeah. until her mom called her out. Well, I don't know if it was <laughs> season one had a lot of that, yeah. and I kind of thought like the theme of season one of Discovery uh, was self reflection. And, you know, like, like if you've made mistakes, you know, like owning up to them and learning to accept that about yourself and improving yourself and moving on. I I think that was like a big part of them. And that kind of ties in like the mirror universe and, 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 uh, you know, the idea of like reflection and self-reflection. Yeah. And this carried that on, but instead of just admitting she has a mistake, she makes mistakes, this was her... I think nailing down why she makes the mistakes. Well, that idea that her mom presents the, about the emotional void, about how like, may, yeah, maybe like she didn't get enough love as, as a kid. Like she, she f- always felt like the reason why she's like this responsibility whore that they've described her as. Like she has to take on like all the burden, all the responsibility, and and, and get shit done. The reason why she feels like that is because she needs to. Uh, you know feel important and like put herself in like the the put herself in the spotlight even though like it's not it's not fun w- once you get there but like like she feels like this need to like be involved and stuff i thought that was like really interesting and i was uh, it feels it, pretty psychologically real even if yeah, you know we know the writers does. sometimes stumble a little bit about like seeming to know where they want to push a plot point but i, I feel that that's pretty psychologically real and it it, it it checks out with like the character that we've been watching for three seasons you know it it doesn't feel like oh that's just something the writers shoehorned in there because they they thought that would like sound good in the moment like no like it actually works yeah. it actually fits in. It yeah. was important that Burnham reach the critical point she did in the uh, in yeah. in the uh, quorum of, of like withdrawing her thing. That mm-hmm. was I think also yeah. a the an act of humility uh, yeah. for someone who's kind of been very in some ways very ego driven. She's been a little bit I know what's best for everyone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The person who's like, I'm gonna nerve, I'm gonna nerve pinch my captain and take command. Yeah. It's like that. That's, that's literally how we're introduced to her. <laughs> yeah. I. Um, so there's growth. There, 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 there is, a, there is a, a clear arc. There is a, a question I had about that sequence where they say the stakes have never been higher, and I'm like, 
Last season, all life in the galaxy was up for grabs. <laughs> this season, we're just trying to figure out why Dilithium got Not only off. that, but two seasons <laughs> yeah. ago, two seasons ago, the stakes were the entire multiverse, which is the highest of the entire franchise. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the so highest this... of any franchise, let's be real. Yeah, so there ain't nothing honest. higher than a multiverse. Yeah, the, the stakes have never been higher. No, no, this is the lowest staked season so far, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm fine with. I'd like smaller. I'm, I'm not saying this is a criticism. I just thought that throwing that line in there was kind of dumb. I would have left that. Yeah, they've started to occasionally. This is one of those things. This happens kind of. It's sort of a weird thing in superhero comics sometimes, where you know, it's like, uh, well, she's was didn't she actually throw out? She's like, well, I did save all life in the universe. You know, as that's like you know now on her uh, that that can go on her resume, and I'm like, that's a pretty big thing. But yeah. it's it's one of those things where if you really wrap your head around the enormity of it, it would change who you are and how people would think about everything. Yeah. And then it's it kind of it's almost too big for us to to kind of fully wrap our heads around. Yeah. No, she was just she was just doing her job as a Starfleet officer when she jumped through that wormhole, like yeah. Admiral Vance said. I think yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I you're think supposed brought to do. Up a good point on a discussion we had, which was that like they keep saying universe, but it's really just the galaxy. And then even then, they wouldn't have the the control wasn't after any life forms that it deemed un you know un whatever like well i think they like had a, a, she's they, they had some sort of projection of the future or something where where all life was wiped out all sentient life, it, like, in, yeah, in, yeah, in the galaxy, in the galaxy. galaxy. Yeah. yeah yeah um but no but on discovery it, but, she even says universe constantly and i'm like no it was just the galaxy as far yeah, as yeah they, they, they kind of like, they kind of use galaxy and universe <laughs> interchangeably oh, did they, yeah, which, yeah, they, yeah, they, they should they should annoying. stop doing that now yeah, that i know it um, I'm sorry. <laughs> is there is there any other thoughts on on the quorum before we yeah, move on to like the yeah. post quorum stuff? I wanted to say that well, I pointed out earlier, Michael basically throws the chance of diplomatic reconnection under the bus in order to get the data, and then she finishes mm. it by saying, "When that was a mistake, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Let me try. You know, I'm I'm not going to." demand this data anymore because i don't want to cause you know more diplomatic strife uh and relation you know break up more social groups also the fact that things escalate that quickly clearly shows that things on navarre are not perfect it was not some nice perfect government down there there's the idea that things could this quickly go to hell it might have been better off before the burn because they said that like like the burn and and so many of us you know taking responsibility for that it has had major political yeah. and social ramifications yeah. so i they yeah. for all we know it might have been much more uh, unified and then after the burn after this last yeah. 120 years is when the cracks and the the foundation of this joint culture you know really started to, to crack open i think Burnham may have reminded them of like how important it is to keep working at that unification which i like as well so that that kind of is a little yeah. icing on that cake yeah, together we are, but we can't be alone. Like that Dropkick Murphys song, "The Boys on the Docks." <laughs> nice, uh, odd segue, but I like it. Uh, I was just going to say uh, that although I always, I usually want Discovery to be a little bit more thoughtful, I also found, ironically, the quorum slightly boring at times. <laughs> so but I just want to throw that out. Thoughtful there. episode, and what we're used to in Discovery. Uh, but yeah, I was, I, I was not really bored. I was just kind of, um, for me, as a kind of just of relief to just kind of have like this this more chill just real talky episode this tamer i think i said more tame earlier it was a tamer episode of discovery but the stakes have never been higher <laughs> no, that's uh, a, a little melodramatic flair 
Uh, let's talk about the the post quorum stuff. We get this heart to heart moment between Mama Burnham and Michael, and, and I'm hoping this is kind of letting us know that they've kind of fixed this ongoing drama with Michael. That now that she's going to be less conflicted between doing her duty and being this this new 32nd century Michael that she wants to be, and and how like you know your your duty and your joy can go hand in hand, and you don't have to feel the conflict between the person you were and the person you are now. So I, I I'm hoping that we're we're kind of transitioning Amen. past that. Um, you know, I, I've been vocal about being kind of annoyed with that being an ongoing thing. I, um, I liked it, but I think this is the time episode to put it to bed. I think yeah. they that should not be a thing going forward. And now they have like a dramatic thing they can do with the book about like, oh, you're gonna stay on the ship. You know, what am I gonna? How am I gonna be in your life? And like, that's a more interesting drama for me, in my opinion. But I like this idea of that because Michael did the right thing and was being honest and gave in to the absolute candor that left such an impression on the president that she decided that michael was trustworthy and she turns over the data anyways i know it's like it's kind of plot convenience but i i liked the the moral of the i think story. saru had a little bit to do with it too yeah and i want to talk about like saru and uh tarina in, in a second yeah. but that, that was cool that you know michael gets the w she she wins here and even though like I was I was annoyed how they they made her mom into a co-op malat in a very inorganic way, I loved this so much when she says, "I've always wanted to tell you this, Michael, for so many years, but now you know if, if you need me, you know where to find me." Yeah. That was such like a sweet moment, and just the fact that like Michael can have like none of these people on the Discovery can have that in this thirty second century. Like she's the only like oh, yeah. only one who gets to I have a, a a family member. Uh, so it's, it's like so. Uh, Ha- I'm I'm so happy for for this character who's just been through so much shit for three <laughs> seasons for her to like have like this happy moment of joy. That you know that adds another yeah. layer of complexity because Tilly was like missing her mother earlier, and now I'm kind of seeing that earlier scene she? that I criticized. Yeah, when, remember when like, did Tilly in, miss in her mom? Episodes like she she was mentioning I'll never even though she doesn't like her mother, she's like I'll never see my mom again. And well, she gave what, like this long like, list of things that she'll never see yeah. again. Right, like, but I, I don't. I, I don't. I, I guess, but I don't know. I have to go back and watch. But I felt there was an emphasis on the mom thing, and maybe maybe this like you know could explain like a little bit more resentment later on from Tilly and you know and stuff like and, that. And, and Michael can now Trump has a Trump card for any your mama jokes on this ship. <laughs> your mama dead. Mine's still alive. That's up. <laughs> By the way, that, did she, it looked like she got an old uh, floppy disk from her. <laughs> I was thinking about that, but like, what are you going to show in the 32nd century that they would use like store data on? So for all we know, this thing is just like, this is like a little convenient handheld device that scans your DNA to see if you're the right person. And then opens sure. a holographic portal into like this quantum realm where all of the Vulcan data is stored. And <laughs> you can access to whatever no, I, you I, have I, permissions to. I think it looks to. cool. It looks, it's got the look of both being a piece of technology and a little bit of uh, like a little bit of that Vulcan ritualistic, you know, Arch. marbleized yeah. or something like that on it. it, it it's, it's you a, can it's also a... use it as a coaster to set your beer can yeah. on top of. And, and it's gold because this is the gold. This is the win. So it's got right. that little gold ring on it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, you get a gold nice. medal. Yeah, the, yeah. Gold presented medal. by the president. Do we do we have any speculation as to why they they seem very certain that this data shows the Vulcan uh, that that SSB nineteen was responsible for the burn, 
and and obviously and, and all the other data Michael's found is pointing to the it not being responsible. Do we have any idea how this is all going to fit together? Nope. Nope. <laughs> okay. That, you know, one thing I have I've, I've enjoyed about the last few episodes, I, I haven't been watching any of the next time on an all new Star Trek um, bits. And so uh, I really I don't know what at all what's going to happen. And I've, I've yeah. been sort of shocked at some of the twists and turns. And especially reveals. now, especially like going forward, like we're halfway through. We're actually like one episode over halfway as of right now. Uh, I don't watch any of the, the previews week to week. I don't watch the clip on ready room when they get to the clip part I, I turn off ready room i don't watch that and all the stuff i remember from the trailers going into the season i feel like i've already seen it like yeah we knew okay michael was gonna meet this guy book and who has a cat and the discovery was gonna crash somewhere else but they would eventually team back up they were gonna meet some trill they were gonna meet like some uh future starfleet people they were gonna go to earth and hug a tree and eventually they're they gonna meet some vulcan people Okay, we've done all of that. I have no idea what happens in the the remaining half of the season. No idea at all. And I I love that. Uh, That excites me. (laughs) Q will be in every episode. (laughs) (laughs) He could be. He's a new team member on the disco. (laughs) I think we have to ask, where are the Remans? And uh, are they not the only ones? They're dead. Aren't they the only ones that have the the Remans are dead. The Remans died in the Nova. To cause the burn and blame it on the Vulcans? I I would love if they, when they finally do an episode on Navarre, to, to see uh, some Remans in society. That would be the coolest. Oh. I think all I, the Remans died because yeah. it's cheaper makeup to do Vulcans and Romulans <laughs> than it is to do Remans. They got a budget on this show. They the, yeah, they, they, could, they could easily crank out a Reman. <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about uh, President uh, Tarina <laughs> and the stuff going on with her and Saru in this episode. President Girlfriend? I, loved I, didn't, it. I didn't see it. I didn't read it as romantic. <laughs> I saw someone say that, uh, suggest that online. I thought that was so weird. Was, yeah. uh, I thought they had like a very professional uh, relationship. But I like I like seeing over the course of the episode, Saru, who we're, we've often been told but rarely shown that he's this very empathetic person. But I like I like seeing here like he kind of listens to her. You know, he kind of hears her out. She says that well, we actually have like a bunch of grievances with the Federation, and and uh, they. They have like this these neat moments. They're they're at the quorum, sitting together, you know, spectating uh, side by side in the seats. And and then at, at the end, they kind of do like the the live long and prosper hand drives to each other before she beams back down. But Saru has like this friend on Vulcan, and there, there's a a doorway to where you can see how how Navarre would come back into the Federation, and and it's because of Saru being good. Starfleet diplomat as as the ship's captain. So I liked all that. What do what did y'all think about that stuff? Oh, I I I wanted to make that comment for those people who are still complaining that Saru is not captain's material. I think this episode argues strongly against that. Uh, we not not only do we see that he manages to make progress, but we get to not that not only does he make progress, we get to see him making progress. It's not just oh, I just got back from meeting with the Vulcans and they like me now. Uh, you know, no, we get to see how he does it. We get to see him do it in a Saru way and use his talents. And I I really enjoyed seeing all of that uh, unfold. And I think to some degree, that's what helps sell the president on turning over the data is getting to interact with a Starfleet captain and see what Starfleet is like these days. Yeah. Yeah, These people are all right. And they wrote some good dialogue in there. I liked when they talk about like the 
the needs of the many and the needs of the few. And, and Saru's like, yeah, didn't you people come up with that? And she says, we've, we've moved on past maxims and proverbs. And yeah. it was weird that he kind of retorts with with like a very like fortune cookie type saying back to her. But he actually says, he actually says that, you know, it sounds like a really high price was paid but the the lessons that we learn most are the ones that that, that do have like this heavy price and i like that idea that kind of like the yeah. silver lining is that when you you go through shit like this that's very costly the, the benefit is that it's always easy to learn from that experience well you yeah. know it's interesting to reflect that on burnham's own experience with the quorum where she has this what's like sort of costly exchange with her mother that's really emotionally difficult but uh, arguably is her may, maybe the most important lesson in her you know, in her growth. In the course of the show. Yeah. You know, the, the whole they, um, time we've been watching her. I have a sort of fascination sometimes with movies and shows where some, someone uh, has to be sort of pushed to a certain limit, uh, you know, sometimes uh, cruelly or whatever, you know, uh, V for Vendetta, uh, but also, what was that uh, movie? Oh, gosh, uh, Black Snake Moan, if anybody's ever seen that with yeah. Sam Jackson and Christina Ricci. Uh, or even the game from uh, uh it sounds David like Fincher. you want to like kidnap a younger woman and like just kind of like torture her until she's indoctrinated into your views yeah that's uh that's what i like <laughs> i want more of that uh no there's it's, it's that and uh, have y'all ever seen the game from david fincher yes i have not uh it's it's another Great one movie. of those where without saying too much about it because i think it's really i think it's one of his best and unsung movies but uh Michael Douglas uh, is subjected to a, a fascinating barrage of experiences, and it's interesting to see how that stimuli sort of works through on him. And I, I don't want to say too much about it. Yeah, it's, um, but, it's good to it's good to not be spoiled on that movie. You yeah, should watch it the first um, time that but, but it but it's um uh, I think that uh, yeah that that aphorism uh, kind of works. I think Saru is is in the right there, and that uh, yeah it's a you know it's kind of a trial by fire type stuff of things sometimes things have to be tested that hard yeah. I, I did like the comment uh, that went so, the, the something to the effect of uh that uh similarity can lead to less trust if you're not exactly the same but close to being the same it can actually cause a lot more friction than if you're too wildly different and uh because there's this kind of uncanny valley of well they're kind of like me but not enough like me uh kind of thing going on that you'll see like different factions of christianity fighting amongst themselves far more viciously than they would with say buddhists or something which are right. you know a very different yeah. it's, it's a more it's a more nuanced thing that's a little harder for the for our ape brain to categorize yeah and they didn't dwell on it but it was a little thing they threw out that i thought that was really another interesting idea there there's, there's all these little great lines of dialogue that you can sit there and ponder and think about a bit you know when she uh when she lived long and prospered and then beamed out i thought that was uh interesting she takes a few seconds after she did it before she beamed out and i was like oh that's uh that's a, a a bit of ceremony probably to a Vulcan. She probably could have been live long and prosper, insta beam out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she was like, there is a, there's a little bit of understanding of social graces uh, at this point, <laughs> and uh, she she gave it a few seconds. Yeah, Sa Saru, Saru had owned that little moment of respect. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see like if this was a novel or something, you would write in there that like she she took like a few seconds, which was a subtle a, thing a that thing a for... human. A human probably wouldn't notice, but like for a Vulcan, it was like a, a huge gesture of, of yeah, respect. Yeah, <laughs> Navarin girlfriend. Let's let's transition to the B story of the episode, which was 
Tilly's big promotion. I'm just going to run through that real quick and then we can talk about it. But now Saru asks Tilly to become the acting first officer. Now that uh, Michael Byrne has been bumped off from the, the XO position and, and Tilly is kind of unsure at first. And Saru tells her it will take a day to think about it. So uh, Tilly goes down to the uh, spore cube and has a private conversation with Stamets who had like some, some really interesting reactions My to what reaction. he's being told. Exactly. And he's like, Oh, this is so reaction. weird. It would be weird to take orders from you. But he, he is ultimately, even though like he's weirded out by it and surprised by it, he is ultimately like a little supportive and so supportive. In fact, that he rounds up uh, a lot of the crew and they're uh, hanging out in engineering until he comes in and, and they all tell her in like this big kind of emotional uh, moment. They're all like, say yes, to say yes to Saru. Like everyone gets a close up saying, say yes, say yes. And then Michael Burnham comes in. She's like, I have the data. Oh, I'm sorry I was late for like the say yes part, but you should totally say yes. And then Tilly is crying. And then Michael is crying. And everyone's crying. And Tilly is like, okay, I guess I'll be the first officer. And everyone is clapping. And they have to have like this big moment to like pat themselves on the back because it is Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> and they like to have like these big, showy, ceremonious, emotional moments that are just drawn out way too long. And then they all have like a big group hug. <laughs> what do y'all think about this B story? I, I, didn't, I didn't disagree with anything fundamentally that happened uh, with this story. I just disagreed with like maybe 50% of the ex- execution and it was all centered around like the overt kind of like they stretched it out. I think a little too long. I think Tilly should have been a little more confident about it. I also think that there were some things that I would have liked more in ceremony. I would have liked her to have been promoted to a Lieutenant as well as be the first officer. And frankly, if I had my way, I would have given Tilly this moment in a whole different episode, like later on, or maybe I, again, I would have just shortened it. I thought I wanted unification three to be more about the the uh, Navarans and Burnham. Yeah. Well, this is the counterpoint. This is the counterpoint to Michael. Uh, Michael is the, 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 um, the person who always thinks she's right, who always wants to, 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 to do things her way and has compl- maybe too much confidence. Uh, and then Tilly is the person who is uh, shirking away from authority. And so she's she's coming at it from a completely opposite direction. So she's unsure if she's ready to do the thing, whereas Michael needs to learn that maybe I don't always need to do the thing. Um, so I can kind of see how, at least on paper, when they were putting it together, how this really was like, you know, the, the, this uh, bounce back and forth between the, approaching the, the same idea from two different directions. I my first reaction was this is so Kelvin universe, um, <laughs> and I think I, I thought about it a bit. I think I would have been, and to some degree, this is already my head cannon. If Saru had just said, "I'm," he says he's going to get a real first officer at some point, doesn't he? He says <laughs> right. this is just temporary. Yeah, so, and that's that's why I'm okay with it because yeah. it, we actually earlier this year on another Star Trek show we saw an ensign become I had forgotten acting about that. XO. Very, very shortly. And, and you know, if you look at, like, the USS Valiant on Deep Space Nine, uh, all those kids are just promoting the shit out of each other <laughs> So give, with those, those filled promotions. So it, it is possible to do, like, these, like, weird, uh, you know, temporary act. Like, Wesley Crusher was an acting ensign before he ever set foot in the Academy. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's completely out of the question for Tilly to be acting first officer for a short period of time if this goes on longer than the season 
yeah, it would be like weird and annoying and not make a ton of sense. Yeah. And I also agree. I said previously, I think Tilly probably should be promoted to a lieutenant at this time. But yeah. I just want to take credit. I called it out episodes ago. Like you're you doing all these like Saru Tilly scenes. I think they're building right. to something. And yeah. our our friend Trek on the Tube uh, pointed out to me. He's like, ah, oh, no, they're just these are just all a bunch of friends of the writers, and they're just using whatever character to interact with Saru. And I, Dave, I, th- I think you might have agreed with that. But I was like, no, I think I think there there's a pattern here. They're they're doing this different type of stuff with Tilly than what they would typically do with an ensign on yeah. a Star Trek show. So I, th- I think this is what they were building to. I don't think that's necessarily in, in conflict with it. It means that it, it just indicates the show writers aren't really concerned about rank or, or only in a very kind of distant way uh, that they do sort of see this as friends. And she, and, and I do think like Saru promoted one of his, uh, a friend that he sees uh, as a good counselor and, and somebody who he sees a lot of am- like uh, uh, promise in. Uh, so, so I think that still actually all fits together. But but it is an indicative though of like yeah like that that those scenes did exist to set that up that is for sure yeah uh, our, our friend uh, Jeremiah in the chat says it's probably going to be more like an internship for Tilly and that's what I'm yeah. kind of thinking yeah I, I I think by the end of the show uh, I'm sorry by the end of the season they will have Burnham will have her shit together enough that she'll be EXO again yeah. or maybe Saru will get captured or injured or something and Michael becomes captain I yeah. don't. I, 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 I prefer the the former over the yes. latter, but I, I yeah, I think this will just be a season three thing of, of, yeah. of First Officer Tilly. Uh, looking at the comments, I saw that uh, Jeremiah D, uh, this is interesting, said that this scene was uh, their favorite part uh, and enjoyed the, the mushiness of the scene. So uh, just, wow. just to give voice to someone else who was like, uh, uh, to me, it was a, it was one of those ones that was on the edge, but but. Uh, it's interesting to see that some people were like, yeah, I love it. <laughs> and to me, it wasn't on the edge. It was it was like way over the edge. It was like way too much forced emotion. I didn't mind me. all the schmaltiness given how much hell this crew has been through. I'm sure they'd all, you know, be quite huggy at this point, especially with Tilly. Uh, hey, you they know, didn't Tilly hug like this on hug. Voyager. That crew went through some shit. Yeah, well, Voyager wasn't well written in my opinion, but uh, I think they've had they've had a lot of like sort of like what would feel like very big moments in rapid succession, jump to the future together, just rediscover Starfleet together, yeah. reunite with their first officer Burnham together. Uh, you know, like it does feel like a lot of big and in some cases very positive things have happened to them in a short period of time. They just got a big upgrade to their ship. I kind of feel like, in a, in a way, as, as, as although they're in a very rough situation, they've had a number of positive things happen, and it feels like they're all kind of kind of upbeat right now. Yeah. Well, I think Tilly kind of brings the hugs too. I mean, I when, agree about. That. I don't know if everyone would have been hugging each other if Tilly, if this had hadn't been a situation involving Tilly and she hadn't been in the room. I, I don't think. I think it would have gone if down. If Jet Reno had gotten a promotion, that they'd be like, yeah, exactly, exactly, you, exactly. You know, <laughs> that would, would make been... more sense because she's. I, I believe she's actually a commander, and I think yeah. Colber is a commander. I actually think Colbert would have made a good first uh, officer, exo, but, yeah. you know, they, they I, went with, they I, went I, with Jet Tilly. would have been hilarious. And, uh, I, well, yeah, I that's honestly, why, that's why she would never get it because she's not a good people person. Well, anyway. no, that, that, that the, the job of the first officer it, traditionally is to be the asshole who whips the crew into line. She could yeah, do that. You're also, you're also <laughs> supposed to be like the advocate of the crew back to the captain. Well, yes, but in private, in the ready room, outside <laughs> of that, you treat them like you, you, your, your job is to whip them into shape. The, the outside of the in like the in fiction version of this is that it clearly means that the writers wish to do more with Tilly 
and that yeah. they want to evolve her. And I do think it'll be interesting because so much of the character is kind of predicated on a kind of cute uh, awkwardness, and yeah. she's going to have to literally, as of next episode, start start giving people commands and, you know, like not showing hesitation or finding maybe they have some other way that she's going to uh, command. I, I don't know quite what it would be, but uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see where they want to take her. And uh, I think the actress will be up for it. I, of course, like Mary yeah, White. Yeah. And it ties back to something from, from the, the very first season when they, I, it might've been like, I can't remember what episode it was exactly when they, they brought this to the forefront, but she wants to make captain. And yeah. so I like that they're keeping her on that trajectory. And they even well, do mention like the command training program and stuff like yeah. that here. I, so. I wanted them to say, I wanted Saru to say, this will be excellent training for you. And just that one line, I think I, I and I, to my, in my head canon, that's what's going on. That this is more, yeah. more about giving her a chance to get some experience. What Jeremiah was saying about it being yeah. an internship. Yeah. It, yeah. This is what and, I wanted. And, and there's a precedent. There's a, there's yeah. a precedent yeah. in the franchise. Like, Making Wesley an acting ensign, you know, yeah. like, yeah, like, there's, like, enlisted people like O'Brien on the Enterprise. Like, I guess they were taking orders from, like, this kid who ain't even been to the Academy. But, I mean, that was, it was, like, practice. It's like a, yeah. like an internship. Yeah, it's just the fact that they spelled it out a little better with Wesley than Good they point. did here. Here they kind of said, you're ready for this. And I think Saru should have said, you're not, you're ready to, to learn how to do this. If he'd put it that contextualized it that way, I would have I, I would have been fine with it. And to my mind, I think that's kind of how I'm going to view it, even though it wasn't said out loud. That's the way I hadn't thought of it, and I'm open to later in the season this becoming less annoying because of some scene or revelation that makes it just, like just how I got less annoyed at Burnham. So I, I'm open to it. <laughs> Anything else before I move into the the Gorn eggs? I I loved Michael's. I I, I missed the cool. You you missed the cool. Yes, say yes part. That, that, <laughs> I laughed hard at that. I, I I'm not sure if I needed all the schmaltz, but that part was was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I liked her saying like, "Oh, I guess you're gonna like order me to like switch beds in our room now." Which, I'd be more like, "Why do y'all still share a room? There's only 88 people think, on the ship." I think Tilly wants to have a roommate, and Michael's okay with it. Yeah, it'd be interesting. To, it'd be funny to like find out they've got all these empty rooms, but they've just been like dealing with it because they both like the situation. Yeah, well, I think in the first episode, doesn't they? Doesn't Tilly have some lines about they say they need? They say I need a roommate to keep me grounded or something like that. And like, <laughs> no, she actually episode. says I'm not allowed to have a roommate. Oh, because okay, I, you're right. I snore. Okay, I miss, <laughs> so it was like the opposite. That okay, but, never mind. Yeah, I guess. I guess now, like uh, Michael can just like go bunk with Book as long as he's hanging out in the oh, show. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> Going over to his apartment, we, he conveniently, which is parked in the cargo bay. It's and they, uh, they, I guess, <laughs> I guess they're just like getting it on in, in like that bedroom slash bridge with like the window open, like exposed <laughs> out like the back of the hangar. So like another another ship can come by and see them. <laughs> well, you know I, I, programmable matter stage. As as Tilly uh, is in many ways, the the episode what magic to make the sanest man go mad indicated that she's no stranger to relationships. Um, I think she and Michael need to have a double date with uh, with their partners. <laughs> I, I want to see this in an episode. I think that'd be some I, some pillar filler that the show doesn't always have time for. Yeah, yeah. I just like want to I just want to say before you go to the Gornex that this discussion was a lot of fun. It made me think of things in a way I hadn't thought of before. So I really appreciate that. But I also just want to say that like I think this is the episode I've watched the most this season. I've watched it five times and. <laughs> 
I really am. I just haven't gotten tired of it. I think I may watch it one more time, but I feel like there's so much new lore and world building and interesting things that, that are compelling about it. And I just kind of like was watching it to see if I can glean anything else. And, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing more. I was talking about it with a coworker at work today and I was, they asked me what I thought of it. And I was like, I liked it, but I'm still wrapping my head around it. Because sometimes when they drop an episode that has a lot of lore that's clearly very meaningful to Star Trek canon and to longtime viewers, like my brain just can't process it all uh, yeah. immediately. And I yeah, you got to chew on it a little bit. I had like a little bit of that. I had a little bit of that reaction. I kind of, I kind of came around more on my second viewing. I, I guess I, I have to admit my reaction was okay. Reunification happened. Of course it did. I expected right. it to. <laughs> what? Show us the details. How did it go down? And we didn't get any details. Uh, almost, almost that's, no details. That's going to be in unification 2.5 yeah yeah which will be on picard um, that'll be um coming coming soon to star trek picard yeah it's gonna be in lower decks actually (laughs) yeah that does stop picard from ever playing this trick doesn't it because they can't do it (laughs) 2.5 would look silly especially in roman numerals um the yeah how do you how do you write decimal five in there's gotta be a way but i don't know what it is (laughs) uh the um I did want to say about the the Michael and 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 uh, Michael and book thing at the end. I mean, the they they Michael was basically willing to give up her career in Starfleet to go rescue book and get the black box. Um, and then now it's now it's on book. Is book willing to give up his? courier career to be with michael yeah the tables have turned yeah, and it, yeah. Kind of, it kind of bookends the the show with <laughs> they they the beginning and the end is with her with with yeah. book but yeah they she says that she that he feels like home to her and yeah. he says yeah like you feel like home to me so yeah that, there, the, there's this, now a conflict of like okay book doesn't want to leave her side but she is firmly rooted back on the ship so what's going to happen there and like i was saying that that is a more interesting drama that's a more interesting drama than michael being like oh am i going to follow the rules or just be an asshole who does whatever i want how, how does book interact with discovery is certainly a question that needs to be answered I, you could take that I, you feel like home as a statement of well if you're here i'm here and that's the end of that question discussion <laughs> they're just gonna let them take up their whole fucking shuttle bay with uh, the be fair, he does help them out and yeah. neelix did that neelix Neelix did that shit on Voyager. That's true. Yeah, if you're yeah. going to put but up with Neelix, Neelix, you might as well do it for Book. And Neel, but Neelix had a crappy ship, and it magically managed to disappear and not take up any room except when they remembered it existed. Whereas this ship is pretty big, but it is a really awesome ship. It's the yeah, it's very Millennium useful, Falcon. as we saw last week. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and run through the Gorn eggs. These are all of the Easter eggs, in-jokes, and continuity connections that I found within the episode. If I miss any, people should let me know, um, and I'll give you credit for it. I'm just going to go ahead and get started, though. In the science lab scene, they mentioned the uh, ship, the USS Yelchin. That was the first black box that Michael recovered. And that 4747, is, uh, or 4774. Well, the, part, right? of, part of the registry number was 4774, yeah, but we don't yeah. see the entire thing. It was right. obscured. <laughs> but we can assume that the, the Yelchin was named after Anton Yelchin, the actor who played Chekhov in the Kelvin movies and uh, unfortunately passed away four years ago, I believe. Uh, very tragically. Yeah, very uh, unfortunate. He was uh, extremely young. Um, there is also a ship named the Gavnor. I don't know if that was 
So, it sounds kind of Klingon to me. I or mm. I'm sure Larry Nemechek, our friend Larry, is probably saying that it, it's connected to Ambassador Gav, the Tellerite, from yes. to Babel. Uh, <laughs> but there is a ship called the Gavnor. There's also a ship called the uh, Geokani or, or Geochani. It was named after the Nobel Prize winning astrophysicist who laid down the foundations of X-ray astronomy. Mm. Uh, the planet Navarre, uh, Nav- Navarre, the word Navarre is the name of a Vulcan ship we saw on Enterprise in the episode uh-huh. Shadows of Pajim. But the word Navarre existed in the fandom long before that. It was a term that uh, was created in uh, around 1967 by the linguist Dorothy Jones, who wrote the Dorothy and May Fawney series of Star Trek stories in the T-negative fanzine in the late 60s, early 70s. It is a Vulcan word that literally means to form. Mm, and uh, so that was uh, kind of a, a great idea for what you would call like a, a, a two-form society, like, like Romulans and Vulcans united so that is an extremely deep cut. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure shit. Kirsten Beyer, Kirsten Beyer, who's also a Star Trek novelist and who wrote this episode. I'm sure. So, so Father, that she was came essentially that. this is like uh, like an ultimate fan shout out, right? Yeah, but it was also it was also shouted out back in 2002 on uh, right. Enterprise, uh, but but here even more appropriately yeah, than, that's than ever cool. before, I think. Very nice. Admiral Vance mentions involving the diplomatic corps with uh, Burnham's uh, mission to Navarre. The diplomatic corps were first mentioned on screen in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Uh, but this is, I guess, the the Federation ambassadors are kind of all part of the diplomatic corps. Uh, Curzon, uh, who mentioned a lot in Deep Space Nine. Sarek, Spock, all the, the ambassador characters. The... Uh, appearance of Spock was from the episode Unification 2. And if you're wondering, like, how did Jean-Luc Picard get this information for his personal logs? Well, he was actually hanging out with Spock in that episode with an android who records everything he sees and hears. So (laughs) the answer to that is pretty easily. (laughs) I know like, if if I went somewhere and met a legend like Spock, I I want like a home video of that for my personal (laughs) logs. Data, can you you give me like a holographic recording of that? Thanks, bud. I appreciate it. Uh, The name Tirina, uh, beginning with like T and an apostrophe, that is a tradition for uh, many Vulcan female characters that dates all the way back to a mock time when we were introduced to Tapau and Tapring. Uh, you might also know uh, Tapel was Tuvok's wife and Tapol from Enterprise. Uh, the Navarre logo, like these people are like wearing on their chest, it's real interesting. It's kind of a combination of the Romulan warbird and kind of like the the Itic. Vulcan uh, Itic with like the circle and the triangle. Oh, yeah. It's like they, they took like the Itic, like the circle and triangle thing, and like straightened it out to make it symmetrical. Uh, you know, like down the middle, left and right, and then More they logic. They they laid that on top of like the the Romulan warbird logo thing. Well, yeah, and the logic behind the Itic emblem was always the triangle and the circle coming together to create this jewel. Uh, you know, two different things coming together to make yeah, right there, uh, to create something beautiful. So ma- mashing them together is actually very appropriate for the yeah. symbol. The symbol mm-hmm. is all about mashing things together. On the bridge of the Discovery, Michael Burnham mentions that the Vulcans have engaged in Tikal and Ket since the time of Surak, 
Surak being the uh, the founder of the Vulcan logic-based philosophy uh, that was first mentioned in the original series episode, The Savage Curtain. And of, of course, we have the Co-op Malat were brought back up in this episode. That came from Star Trek Picard. Picard himself was a friend of the Co-op Malat and our uh, favorite character from that show, Elnor, yes. the, the warrior elf character in Picard. He <laughs> is... Uh, in fact, raised by the Kowat Malat. Uh, the gong used in the ceremony was a callback to the, the gongs used for Vulcan ceremonies in uh, Amok Time, there was a gong, and then in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, there was a Vulcan gong. So they like, they like to ring the gongs. And uh, this was a, a cool little detail that I picked up on, is that when we see Navarre out of a window of the Discovery, you can actually see what appears to be a, a moon or another planetoid rising on the, the other side of, of the planet. And uh, as was established in the first Star Trek episode to ever air, the man trap Vulcan has no moon, <laughs> except for when it does. In Star Trek The Motion Picture, we see uh, a yeah, moon they, they or fix a, a that nearby in the planet. Director's cut. Yeah, they, they, in the director's cut, they take that out, but both versions of the movie are considered canon. So make of that what you will. Uh, and in the Kelvin timeline, there is a nearby planet of Delta Vega, which was close enough to Vulcan that you could see Vulcan. So I just assume that, yeah, Delta Vega and Vulcan, or Navarre as it's known now, are just kind of sister planets. You and, and you can see one from the other, so it all it all works. It all makes sense to me. Those are all of the uh, Gorneggs that I found. And if I missed anything, y'all uh, let me know. That was really cool. I think you got them all. Yeah. I do want to say I laughed hard at Alexandra's comment about Michael's fine with something to the effect of Michael's fine with uh, with Tilly becoming first officer because she's going to do whatever she wants no matter who's (laughs) XO. It's going to become that much easier with Tilly. That was, yeah, Tilly, yeah, that was, that was funny. I think, I think Michael might be a a little bit more uh, of a functional crew member going forward, but we shall see. The arc, yeah. We'll, we'll find out more on that possibly next week when we discuss uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 8, The Sanctuary, and that'll be uh, 7.30 p.m. Central Time Friday, but until then... As always, live long and prosper, y'all. Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek. And follow Fathery on Twitter at txtrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.